What number replaced the 10-digit National Suicide Prevention Lifeline in the U.S.? Find out about this and more in today's PV Roundup podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by Aveo Oncology, makers of Fativda, Tavazinib. Learn more at fativda.com. I'm your host, Senior VP Medical Director, Dr. Tim Wright, coming to you once again from the Pioneer Valley in Western Massachusetts. Here are today's stories. On Saturday, July 16th, the United States transitioned the 10-digit National Suicide Prevention Lifeline to 988, an easy-to-remember three-digit number for 24-7 crisis care. The Lifeline, which also links to the Veterans Crisis Line, follows a three-year joint effort by HHS, the FCC, and the VA to put crisis care more in the reach of people in need. This initiative is part of President Biden's comprehensive strategy to address our nation's mental health crisis. The 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is a network of more than 200 state and local call centers supported by HHS through the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. In 2021, the Lifeline received 3.6 million calls, chats, and texts. That number is expected to at least double within the first full year after the 988 transition. The U.S. had one death by suicide every 11 minutes in 2020, according to the CDC. Suicide was the second leading cause of death for young people aged 10 to 14 and 25 to 34. From April 2020 to 2021, more than 100,000 people died from drug overdoses. Studies have shown that after speaking with a trained crisis counselor, most Lifeline callers are significantly more likely to feel less depressed, less suicidal, less overwhelmed, and more hopeful. The 10-digit Lifeline number, 1-800-273-TALK, will continue to be operational after July 16th and will route calls to 988 indefinitely. In our next story, we look at the multi-country outbreak of severe acute hepatitis of unknown etiology in children. In an update from the WHO, as of mid-July, 35 countries have reported 1,010 probable cases of severe acute hepatitis of unknown etiology in children, which include 22 deaths. Additionally, two new countries, Luxembourg and Costa Rica, have reported probable cases. The WHO has launched a global survey with an aim to estimate the incidence of severe acute hepatitis of unknown etiology in 2022 compared to the previous five years to understand where cases and liver transplants are occurring at higher than expected rates. 48% or 484 of the probable cases have been reported from the WHO European region, including 272 cases from the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. The second highest number of probable cases have been reported in the region of the Americas, with 33% of global cases from the United States, followed by the Western Pacific region with 70 cases, the Southeast Asian region, 19 cases, and the Eastern Mediterranean region with two cases. 17 countries are reporting more than five probable cases. The actual number of cases may be underestimated, in part due to the limited enhanced surveillance system in place. The case count is expected to change as more information and verified data become available. In the WHO's risk assessment, they state the possible mode of transmission of the etiologic agent has not been determined. And while there are still no available reports of healthcare-associated infections, human-to-human transmission cannot be ruled out following a few very early reports of epidemiologic links cases. In our final story, we learned that the FDA has approved ruxolitinib 1.5% cream, the first at-home therapy for repigmentation in non-segmental vitiligo. And it is the first topical JAK inhibitor approved in the U.S. 
The two phase three registration trials found that 30% of patients using the cream regained 75% or more skin repigmentation on the face and roughly 20% of the patients regained at least 50% or more repigmentation on their body after 24 weeks. The most common adverse reactions compared to a vehicle control with an incidence of 1% or more were application site acne, application site puritis, nasopharyngitis, headache, urinary tract infection, application site erythema, and pyrexia. Prior to ruxolitinib's approval, patients with vitiligo were limited to light therapies administered in healthcare professionals' offices. And that's today's Medical Roundup. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PV Roundup Podcast. For more stories like these, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. You can send any tips or suggestions to editorial at pvroundup.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing Medical News Roundup and just ask, what's my Flash Briefing? Thanks today to Sean Mullen for production assistance. Join me next time for an episode where we cover the latest stories in the world of medicine.